Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus. And this week, our guest is Adel Rafai, who you're probably most familiar with if you listen to the fantasy improv comedy podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern, um, in which he plays Chunt the Badger. Shapeshifter. <laughs> um, and we were very... Excited and bewildered and honored, <laughs> honored and a little bit nervous uh, <laughs> to to have him on. But uh, I think I think the resulting conversation was really good and really important. Yeah, and and Adel brought a, a different topic to the table than our previous guests have because it was kind of a more general concept. But I think that the resulting interview conversation really got into some very relatable issues of ideas in general instead of an idea an individual idea in particular that i think is going to resonate with with a lot of people and just a note right off the bat uh we had a couple audio issues with this one um it kind of sounds like periodically adel's audio is haunted uh so if you hear an echo here or there that's what that is it's ghosts, but hopefully it doesn't detract from the quality of the resulting conversation. But yeah, we're super excited for everyone to hear this, even if you happen to be a ghost, maybe especially if you happen to be a ghost. So we're going to get right to it. <laughs> ghosts have creative <laughs> needs, too. <laughs> well, you know, they have unresolved issues and maybe it's an unresolved idea. That's true. But no, thank you, Adel, for coming on the show. We really appreciate you being here. Yeah, yeah thanks do. for having me. So if you want to uh, introduce yourself, tell you know, tell us a little bit about what you do. I mean, we kind of know what you do, but you know, in your own words. And then uh, talk about what you've sort of brought to the table to talk about. Hey, this is Adel Rafai. Uh, I am an improviser, podcaster, uh, improv teacher and coach, uh, writer. And what I brought in today is, well, I thought, <laughs> I thought to bring in, um, I'm obsessed with like, um, notepads and pens and like, uh, also I'm obsessed with lists, but, uh, I thought it might be a little boring to just talk about those things in, in such a macro, in such a macro sense. So I thought to talk about what I kind of fill those lists and notebooks with, which is, um, just ideas. So I'm, I'm huge into, um, just sitting and trying to turn out as many ideas as possible. And it's not something I talk about to anyone or talk about a ton, just for fear of um, rejection mm-hmm. <laughs> or judgment. Yeah. Did you did you start having so like you said you were initially going to talk about papers and and pens. Did you did you buy a bunch? Are you the sort of person who buys a bunch of notebooks and like really fancy pens or cool pens, not really knowing what you're going to do with them? A hundred percent. Yeah. To me, anytime I go to a store um, and I see some sort of nice ruled notebook or nice journal or something it represents like fresh start or like Mm -hmm. pure potential. Um, So I just get obsessed with like, Oh, if I buy this journal, surely I will write the next great American novel or (laughs) surely I will fill it with like pure gold. Um, So I definitely have this sort of like weird OCD quality with like paper and pens and like this obsession with like getting the perfect um, notebook or the perfect journal um, and then trying to, to, 
use that as inspiration as a muse for for creativity is there something in particular about the types of again i i think right now i'm just drilling down on the actual like notepads Mm -hmm. and and stuff because i think because i as an artist i'm very much the same way it's like oh i find a really nice sketchbook and it's like oh this is gonna be the thing that's gonna (laughs) help like me you know write the next graphic novel or whatever um is there something about the quality of the the notebooks that you look for that like draws you to them a little bit of quality of paper and then also just like the aesthetic of the the outside so like the other day i was at barnes and noble and there was um i picked up two of this notebook where it's got like six rings on the top six rings at the bottom and this gap in the middle so it's this really nice um ringed notebook but there's a gap in the middle which just kind of gives it a cool look and then on the front cover is two bands um two two like rivets or divots into the book with a band in the middle so you can like hang a pin on the outside of the book so to me it's like a lot of aesthetic of like this feels great to <laughs> it's so so great to like look at and to hold and like uh, again i think just like um like mead notebooks are fine or any sort of like the standard whatever but i i feel like anything that kind of uh aesthetically jumps out at me is what i gravitate towards do you have a specific brand that that is a that is a favorite or you kind of because i know some people are, are pretty married to especially artists with sketchbooks they'll have a brand of sketchbook and that's that's the one that they they are most in love with like they may buy other kinds just for fun but they've got you know, sort of a focus point of these are my favorites. I really don't for notebooks, but for pens, I definitely like if somebody hands me like a Bic, uh, like a regular Bic ballpoint pen, like it makes you mm. want to throw up, <laughs> which is, <laughs> maybe speaks volumes to me. Um, but to me, like I love gel pens. Like I just, I have like, um, without being hyperbolic, I have over a hundred just like gel pens, which I'm sure you guys do. I mean, since you're both artists, yeah. I'm sure you do. So, but to, to regular people, that's probably like a, uh, obsessive uh, indicator, red yeah. flag. But I really enjoy for pins. There's one that's, um, I think it's called Pigma Micron O1 or something. But those those Micron, those Pigma pins are like what I stock up on, and that's what I carry with me always. I want to introduce you to the Copic Multiliners now because I think they're better than the Micron. Say yeah. what now? Uh, there's a so. Copic that makes um, art markers. They also make lining pens that are very similar to the to the Pigma Microns, which are really good pens. But the the multi liners I actually prefer. They don't bleed as much. Yeah, they're also refillable, so you can just buy the ink and then you like because the actual pen itself is like pretty sturdy. So I've heard people yeah, like they're metal. Yeah, I've heard people say they like run over them with their cars and they're still fine. So <laughs> like purposely do it? No, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure someone purposely did at one point to sort of do that whole like bit of like, oh, look, it's indestructible. But yeah, you know. some sort of weird <laughs> pen unboxing video. Yeah. <laughs> do you have do you have sort of like a method of how you start when you start a notebook? Because like, at least for me, I always start on like the second page of a sketchbook because the first page is too much pressure. I tend to I mean, with like with if I get like a um, what's the the like moleskin journal if i get one of those where there's no like ringed um binder to it it's not easy to sort of turn the full page then i'll start on the second page just because the first page is 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 too much of like a um support beam for the book sure usually Mm -hmm. so yeah i'll start on the first page or something but i do i I will get with like those um 25 moleskins i'll I'll start to write something and then tear out the page and be like, I really need to get only like my best ideas out on here. Mm-hmm. So I'll use like some spiral um, legal pad or whatever for, for ideas until I, <laughs> it's such a sickness until I have like a great idea and then I'll transfer it to the moleskin. 
So sure. I'm very, I'm very weirdly precious about certain notebooks about what goes into them, and that causes a lot of them to to remain blank. I have the same problem, so I, I sympathize with that. Yeah. I wind up writing things on the back of receipts or whatever because I don't want to mess up my perfect, lovely journal. Yeah, which is so weird. Of like, what what is if I <laughs> fill this up with garbage? What is in another year? I'll have to buy another twenty five dollar notebook. Like, come on. I can afford that. You know, it just becomes like a weird sickness. Right now. I, I mean, I, I can definitely relate because I have like piles, piles and piles of notebooks and sketch pads that have never been used. But then I also have like cheap, like, you know, 50 cent steno pads that are filled with like, which are usually what I thumbnail things in and like do sketches in, you know, when I'm out and about or whatever. And those end up having the better ideas than the like nice pristine <laughs> sketchbooks because I never want to use the the nice pristine sketchbooks. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the way, yeah, same way I feel in terms of, and, and with what I do in improv, there's like a, you know, this mindset of editing in the moment kills creativity. So I don't know mm-hmm. why I don't transfer that over to, to when I sit and jot down ideas and, and um, try and churn, you know, put out as many as possible that I, that I, for whatever reason, when writing in certain notebooks, I'll edit myself in the creative process, which just like kills it immediately. Do you think it's different because you're alone? with your ideas uh what do you mean by that well i mean if you're if you're doing improv with there's there's another person that you're responding to right oh, so I see you, what you're you saying. have a sort of responsibility to not be editing but if you're by yourself i mean you can sit there for five hours before you write one line i think it's not even that i'm by myself i think it's just the permanence of it so with improv i do it on stage the people who were there saw it and then it's lost to the annals of history like nobody will ever see it again but with mm-hmm. a notebook it's like if i write down you know this idea of like i have a podcast idea of of um, uh, a bunch of uh, roaches talking to each other about uh, World War II. Then if somebody, you know, if I if I leave that somewhere and somebody opens it, there's this embarrassment of like, oh, this is Adorify and this podcast idea is garbage, <laughs> you know? And then it becomes this thing of like, it, it's just, I, f- I think it's just fear of humiliation of like, once I write this down, there's some permanence to it. And even if it mm-hmm. resides in like my dresser in my room, there is some fear of like somebody might see it and then my ideas are exposed and then I feel, you know, embarrassed by them. What do you do with like a finished notebook? I usually will transfer the contents to like a Google Doc or something and then and then trash the notebook. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were very like systematic about destroying finished notebooks because I know that some people definitely do that as sort of a way to be like, as a way to remove the record. Sure. Which sounds very like yeah. mysterious when I put it that way. But. Yeah, well, you, you know when you write all all your murder victims in a notebook and then like, yeah, <laughs> time of death, bones buried here. Welcome to season three of Serial. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but instead of just like the notebooks themselves, what I wanted to kind of talk about was just the creative process and like sitting on a stockpile of ideas, mm-hmm. which is just something, something I enjoy doing, but it, but um, you had said this should be something that you don't really talk about or share with anyone. So I have a lot of interest in hobbies and, and extracurricular activities I enjoy, but this is one that's very much n- not something I open up or share with other people. Yeah. I was going to say initially we've, we've done a couple recordings already and, and a lot of people have, you brought, told me I was the know, first hobby- guest. <laughs> And wait a minute. I definitely did not tell you. <laughs> I listened to episode one and I was like, surely they'll delete this before my episode. Is. 
But we've had people come on and bring, you know, hobbies or very concrete, like, comic book series or mm-hmm. weird documentaries. Very concrete ideas. And, and so when you brought your topic, it, it's it's a very abstract concept, which I, I think is a really I mean, cool thing to talk about in general. Mm-hmm. But what made you want to sort of talk about it now? You know, being it being something that you don't talk about, mm-hmm. um, what, what made you want to, like bring this as your thing basically yeah i definitely agree that it's more like a a more nebulous sort of um concept to put out there but i think to me the reason it was at the forefront of my mind is that recently within even the last two months i've been better and better about taking action with some of my ideas so my creative process is kind of like i'll just sit i'll designate some time and just sit and be like uh all right adel here we go bud we have to come up with 10 ideas for an immersive theater project or 10 ways to like get people in Chicago involved in some cool artistic endeavor. Um, so I'll just sit and like make these lists of ideas and they usually just kind of gather dust. And, but recently I've been with more and more, not free time, but with more and more kind of drive to, to just get stuff done. I've taken more action on some of my ideas. So that was sort of at the forefront of like, maybe if I even talk about this on the podcast, it'll push me even further. It'll light, it'll light a brighter flame under my ass. Sure. Yeah. Once you talk about it, it makes it a thing that you have to, yeah. it's like, well, now I have to own up to this sort of, sort of deal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a thing of like, so I just, um, and it, it, I think it'll all be out by the time this airs, but I had this idea about a year ago. A, a lot of my ideas start with people I want to work with. So I might come up with an idea if, if I'm thinking about a project that I'll I'll be involved with I'll be like I really enjoy this person and this person what what is the common thread what is the connective tissue that binds us and then what's mm-hmm. the dynamic within like what's the harmony you know like what's the what are the things that we bring to to a, something that would make it dynamic or, or you know um, make it this weird cohesive collection so I just recently had an idea about a year ago to do a podcast of like riddles and lateral thinking problems uh, with my friends Aaron and JPC who I find wildly entertaining and brilliant and i just kind of sat on it forever and i would throw out the idea to them and they were always like yes that <laughs> anytime the minute we take action we are on board and i'd be like cool and then months would go by and i'd be like hey remember that idea and they'd be like yes please please <laughs> do something with it and i'm like cool, cool, cool and then recently it was just the idea of like let's we have to do this time is short we're all you know we're all decaying quickly um <laughs> what, what an uplifting podcast i'm making it <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, folks, we're all dying. Um, we're all just upright bags of chemicals, slowly leaking. <laughs> the inevitability, mar- the inevitable march of time yeah. is wasting away at all of us. Which ties back to a book of my murder victims. Um, I did them a favor. But I just took action and I got us in the in a podcast studio and was just like, here's what I think. Here's how I think the flow of the show should go, uh, should be. You give me your ideas or input. And then like in the next half hour, let's start recording. And we just recorded three episodes. I, I thought it went fantastically well. And then uh, I brought in a producer and editor who helped me kind of um, shape it up a little bit. And then we kind of shopped it around. And now we're on uh, HeadGum Network, who does like mm-hmm. Doughboys and Gilmore Guys and that. So we're going to be launching with them in July, uh, July 25th, which is in the past when you listen to yeah. this. But it's just, it's just been exciting of like, I'm actually, you know, getting stuff done. And I'm actually, even if, even if the ideas aren't... Even if that show doesn't go forever, you know, go for a hundred episodes or whatever it is, just the idea that, you know, you take action to do something versus mm-hmm. just letting it sit and, and wither away in a notebook. Because I, I've always been weirdly fascinated with like, um, I forget the guy's name, but there's a documentary about this guy who created this book or series of books called The Vivian Girls. 
Do you know about that? No. doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, it's not ringing a bell offhand. It was some, like, janitor, I think maybe in Chicago, but it was, like, some janitor or um, blue-collar guy who, when he passed away, they went into his, his apartment, and they found, like, 80 volumes of these books um, about this. It was just one big, epic, sweeping story about these, like, mythical creatures called the Vivian Girls, and it was, like, with charts and maps, and it was, like, like very Tolkien-esque, but if Tolkien was, like, producing a page a second or something so I've, I've always been fascinated with that idea of like oh that guy if he just would have put his idea out into the world like people would have accepted it or like um you know a, another oddly this is weird that it's also vivian have you heard of vivian meyer mm -hmm, vaguely yeah so she's a photographer who is like a, a nanny for a family and she would just take photos she kept them up in a box in her in her apartment attic apartment and never showed anybody anything she did and then when she passed away, they found all these photos and were like, oh my gosh, you're the photographer of your generation, but you're dead. So I'm, I'm kind of getting more and more obsessed with this idea of like trying to create as much as I can while I can. As two creative minds and people who produce fantastic art, like, do you two have any of that in you in terms of like trying to not, not, not like the, not quantity over quality, but just the idea of like, there's bigger things you've sit on, you sat on that you're trying to get out there. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I've had comic series that I've been sitting on for probably upwards of, Oh boy, eight years now. And I think, and I don't know what's stopping me. I'm 90% like sure. How old are you? 24. Okay. So a lot of it was, it's probably just been like, Oh, I'm not good enough yet. Oh, I need to be better in order to produce this the way I want to. When really the answer to all that is just start it now, because by the time you get to pay, page 100 page one is going to look like crap anyway like just that's just how it works like you are going to be producing the thing you're going to get better as you do it and despite logically knowing all of that that doesn't mean i started it yet yeah <laughs> um and and i i think i have probably like a couple like a couple things like that which have been sort of sitting on the back burner for forever and i think i keep saying like oh i'll get to this you know when i'm ready or when i have more time or when this project is done and i still haven't so and it's mostly yeah. it's mostly like self-doubt or i yeah, I think I think some of it is I, I think the self-doubt kind of wavers back and forth because sometimes it's I, I think sometimes time is the excuse for the self-doubt mm -hmm. of like, oh, well, I just don't have the time right now when really it's I don't think yeah. I'm good enough yet. Yeah, I, that's the same way I feel. <laughs> and I, I feel like even with any amount of like like with Magic Tyron, we've, ha we've had some monochrome success. And then when I start my new idea, I'm like, ugh, I suck. Like nobody wants to hear this. Nobody wants to listen to anything I have to say. Nobody wants to consume any. Thing I put into the ether like it, it it definitely it's a weird um hamster wheel of just like with any amount of success it just doesn't seem to push forward yeah I mean I think I'm I'm, I'm less married to what I've sometimes heard called desk drawer ideas you know the things that you that you keep on you from you know when you were 12 you had this idea for some epic fantasy and you just never get to it and I, I think as I've gotten older that I think that's kind of an illusion that that's your best idea I think it usually isn't I think the stuff that you make while you're hooding off the big idea is sometimes the work with more value like it's more important that you're you're doing something and I think Absolutely. a lot of people you know they stop from doing the work and you don't get the skills you need to do the bigger ideas if you don't do the small ideas first Absolutely. And, and even if you never get to that big, uh, like it's called this door idea, it's still a brick in the path to what you're trying to achieve or success. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. I also feel personally called out by that because that's definitely, <laughs> I definitely been sitting on one, one or two of those like things I wrote. But but I think part of learning as an artist or as any creative person, I'm, I've used the term artist, artist broadly. There are people who wouldn't like that, but whatever, is that realization. And that's what I think is is the one that I've been having as of late is 
the thing that I really enjoy doing, which is, you know, making a comic strip that I do every week or whatever, that is, I'm doing that because, hey, that's actually the thing that's important to me, not this other, I mean, the other thing is important too, but I think the thing you're really choosing to spend your time on is probably what's truly more important to you. Absolutely. Um, even if you, you know, do try to say like, oh, but I'm working on this big, like, 50 chapter, you know, novel or comic or this huge epic or something. Yeah, but what are you doing in the meantime? That probably means way more just because you're deciding to sit down and do it. Absolutely. And um, I do that with some ideas and, and even like podcast ideas recently where it's like, I'll have, I'll have days where I try and think of, of like, what would be a successful podcast? And it usually becomes something that I don't want to work on. And then Mm -hmm. with something like the, the podcast I'm doing, that's, uh, it's called Hey Riddle Riddle. It's like the, what would I say? Like the puzzle and riddle podcast. That was one where I was like, what's a podcast that I don't think exists, or at least I haven't heard of that I would want to listen to. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's something if I, if I heard about it, I'd be like, Oh, that's right in my wheelhouse. I better give that a listen. And that's the one I took action on was one it's, it it harkens back to this, the idea of like, don't ask people what they want to see, show them what you like. And that'll Mm -hmm. lead to like a more successful project versus trying to be like, you know, based on what's popular, what could I do that's popular, which, which tends to lead to either not completing it because you're not inspired. It's, it's coming from obligation, not inspiration, or it just leads to weaker work. Yeah. I think it's a difference between seeing a gap, like filling a need, which I think is sometimes the, the, re- the reaction that people have is go, oh, there's a gap here in the medium yeah. and I should be the one to make it or, or fill it. But if you're not really passionate about what that gap is, it's, it's not going to be anything meaningful to you. And yeah. I, I mean, and I personally think like the work that you make that has meaning to you, that's going to shine through no matter what it is, no matter how personal it is, no matter how esoteric it is, that's what's going to get the reaction because people are going to tell that you actually care about that thing rather than, oh, hey, there's this, you know, there's this gap here. I mean, I think that's fine to identify ideas, but, you know, in, in the long run, what does it really mean? Absolutely. And also, I think to some extent, that's kind of why, I mean, the, the, this podcast was Anne's idea. <laughs> Um, and it's half of, I think, what, what you've described is, is what do we want to see out of, you know, the world? Yeah. Yeah. I think you have that feeling where you're, you're looking for something that you want and it isn't there. And then the answer to that question is, well, if this is what I want, then maybe somebody else wants it too. So maybe I should just make it instead of waiting for someone else to do it for me. But I, I mean, that's still, I think that's still an intimidating possibility for a lot of people. It's hard to get. I mean, I, I I'm bad with journals. I can't get past that first page to write something down and make it permanent that way. Like I do better if I if I don't take notes, if I don't write things down, if I don't do sketches before I do things, if I just go straight into it. Um, I tend to be more successful. Do you have like if you went back to your childhood house and you look through the boxes, do you have notebooks from when you were a kid? Did you used to draw comics or I anything do, like that? Yeah, I it's it, it it's always fascinating to me if like um yeah my mom's storage at home there's there's um and they're not necessarily like notebooks but they're like like blank page maybe artist books but i definitely have like creatures i drew uh like weird supernatural mashup creatures and like weird like um uh, frankenstein-esque weapons and stuff where it's like electricity that powers a thing it's like a rube goldberg frankenstein machine even just like the top 10 animals that i would want to be or you know like it's it's weird to trace a line from like what i do now or what what i enjoy now back to when i was like six and be like yikes like, <laughs> like my brain has always been in the same space that that uh i'm i'm obsessed with like the supernatural or the weird or um any sort of fantasy stuff uh, or animals like it's, it's just weird to to trace a line back to that 
and and see that that my body has grown, but my brain has remained <laughs> arrested. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm also working. So I, I I'm putting out that podcast, and then I'm also like for a while I've wanted to put out a children's book. Like I just um, have a lot of ideas for for different children's book, and and it's just something that I'm like passionate about in terms of like mm-hmm. I have my dad my mom and dad both remarried but my dad remarried and had five more kids and the kids are pretty young (laughs) yeah so i'm i'm 36 and my my stepbrothers and sisters on that or or half brothers and sisters sorry on on my dad's side are i think the oldest is like 20 20 and the youngest is i think eight so it is a thing of like i definitely want to create some content for the younger two or three kids and and they're my father's palestinian and he he remarried um when he remarried he remarried a palestinian woman so they're mm-hmm. i mean their first language is arabic and they you know they currently live in texas and they're practicing muslims or anything so there's different children's book ideas i have and there's one there's one that's like um i want to do that's called arabs aren't scary <laughs> or i just want like <laughs> while they're kids i want to put out into the world a children's book that just uh normalizes uh Islamic behaviors and Arabs and, mm-hmm. and the Muslim religion because they, while living in Texas, if they wear their hijabs or they, you know, a lot of times they'll be yelled at or whatever. So it, yeah. it's it, that that it ignites a passion in me of like I want to create something that they can be proud of as their brother that I made this and that also puts something positive into their world that helps them out. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's that's. A- Sorry, I'm getting a little choked <laughs> up. I, no, I mean, I think that's something that there's there's a need for that, you know, yeah. and there's yeah. there's sort of creative ideas that there's a need for from an entertainment standpoint. But then there are ones that, that go a little deeper than that. And I think probably most things that have entertainment value do fill a deeper need, even if you don't necessarily know that when you're making it. Like, I think pretty much any work of art somebody's connected with on some deep level. But, you know, it's to do something like that, especially at a time right now, seems like a, a need that that needs filling absolutely and that's something even even as a as a consumer which i'm i'm a i mean we all are but i i I don't really have like a day job during the day i just kind of uh, consume a lot of pop culture if you haven't noticed by what i present on magic (laughs) um but i i recently started getting into steven universe and that was one where i was like people are like oh you got to check out steven universe it's it's maybe better than adventure time i'm like we'll see about that like adventure (laughs) time is amazing but then watching it it was this thing of like it's so funny. It's so enjoyable. It's so compelling. And then couched within each episode are like these little life lessons or like these, even if it's not aimed at me, it's like teaching people empathy and teaching people how to figure things out. And it's just really mind blowing to be like, holy crap. I think it's Rebecca Sugar is the creator. What she's done with, with this series is so inspiring to be like, it is kooky and weird and fantastical and, and playful, but it's also just like in the same vein of like Mr. Rogers in terms of like teaching um, teaching young brains how to how to be an adult and how to cope with the terrible world around them. They they just got a cover story on Entertainment Weekly for their work with uh, teaching kids empathy. Yes, the art of self esteem. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff. I mean, um, and not that everything I do is you know that that that's a very powerful project for me in terms of the making a making a children's book about the normalization of of you know, the Arab community. Um, not all of mine are, are that. <laughs> have that amount of depth and heart <laughs> and like mo to them like an, like another idea i have is like a, a kid uh it's a haunted a kid has a haunted butt so <laughs> <laughs> so just so you know there's there's a bookends to my creativity <laughs> <laughs> it's really the full spectrum of of you know creative prospects i want 
kids with haunted butts to know they're not alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I bet kids would really go for that one too, though. Yeah, yeah they would absolutely. definitely be down for that. <laughs> and it's also, uh, also just to be like full disclosure as well is like I think recently having more opportunity for things coming into creation is another driver for me in terms of mm-hmm. we went out like magic tavern went out to la recently to do some live shows and we took uh meetings with different companies who, who were like we love your show please come into our offices and meet it is really exciting for people to be like for whatever you know animation studio to be like hey we want your ideas for the love of God, please send us ideas. We would love to work with you. So there is this thing of like growing up, you know, in, in high school or in college, when I had these ideas, there there was this this ceiling to them in terms of like, yeah, even if I made them, it's like, well, great. I, I have a printed out, you know, 80 page book of this dumb idea. And then, it, and then like I show my friends at parties or something. Uh, I throw the best parties. I make you sit down and read my, read my ideas. Um, no, I don't. but it is really exciting. And I think it, it unlocks something in my brain of like the, the gap has closed immensely to mm-hmm. where if I put something out there, it might be, it might come to fruition or it might become realized or it might have funding or, you know, it could become public. So it's like that first moment of, Oh, Hey, this, this idea, you know, has started to really gain traction. And if, especially if you never thought it was going to get to that level yeah. and suddenly you can then go, okay, wait a minute, that's working. Yeah. So why can't all these other things work <laughs> yeah. too? Like Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not even, it's not even like financially motivated or like fame motivated. It's just right. the idea of like, I love, love, love creating ideas. Like the, just the, the act of creation, whether it's, whether it's alone or with others is, is the biggest part of my life. And that's something I want to do until I'm a hundred sitting in a chair, you know, eating <laughs> soup. So I, I think just, just the, the idea that I can create, create more and, and have more things uh, be completed and, and have that inspire myself and hope maybe inspire others is really, um, is really um, something that I'm, I'm excited about. So this all starts with, you know, you having an idea and writing it down in a notebook, but do you feel like sort of having the doors opened in other projects, but also the fact that like the accessibility of resources, like I just think of like online and the accessibility of being able to collaborate with people outside of physical space, basically like, you know, we're recording this remotely. <laughs> you know, I've done every, almost everything remotely yeah, um, because that's just what, you know, everyone's got busy schedules. Do you feel like that's changed? That's played any part in your relationship to having ideas? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's because uh, the, um, social media makes the collaborative world tighter or, or, or smaller so that it, like more accessible, I guess, where it's like when I had that idea for, for Hayward or Riddle, the podcast, I was like, I know for a fact I want to work with JPC and Aaron. And then I had known you, Emily, from a few conventions, or I think I met you at C2E2. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a but I had known that, so. you online as a presence. Like, we had, you know, we were friends on Twitter, and I'd seen a lot of your yeah. work. And I knew, like, holy crap, the next project I do, 100% I want Emily to be involved. Oh. So it was a thing of, like, I just reached out and was like, hey, to you and Emily. And I was like, would you yeah. want to make a logo or help out or something? And so it, it is this cool thing of, like, and I feel like there's such a there's such a great thing about even just being asked to do something. Like, I know when I'm asked to be involved in a project, even if I can't do it, I'm like, Oh God, thank you so much for inviting me. Like it, it feels mm-hmm. so nice where I feel like sometimes people feel like they're bothering you if they ask you. Um, and this is getting into a whole nother train of thought, but there's like a, a improviser in town uh, named TJ Jagodowski, who's objectively the best improviser in the world. He plays plaques <laughs> on Magic Tavern. Oh yeah. But he's yeah. someone where we've talked before where it's like, he's the best improviser of all time. 
and he sometimes people won't ask him to do stuff because they're like there's no way tj would ever do this but he's thrilled to be asked for that and that, mm-hmm. that's the same with me on you know i'm i'm a million rungs down the ladder where it's like if somebody asks me to do something i'm like holy crap like the fact that you thought of me is so uh amazing like it just really makes my day and again even if it's like i can't make that work or i don't have the skill set to do what you're asking it is it is a really wonderful <laughs> thing so i think realizing that and not being shy about reaching out to like emily to be like would you want to lend your amazing talents to this dumb idea you know i <laughs> I, I, and and even just that being able to reach out I, um, makes everything so much more exciting and, and I guess easier to a certain degree. Right. Well, and, and I think the other thing is you never really, at least I have the issue where I feel like I'm always bothering someone with something, whether it's a, you know, a project or, or whatever. And so it's like, oh, I just don't want to, I really don't want to bother this person. But half the time when you ask, they're, they're happy to do it or they're ecstatic or they privately freak out for an hour. You know, I'm not speaking yeah. from experience or anything. Um, it's good. It's, it's, and that's an, it's good freaking out. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a really good point that it's like, it, it's that sort of thing of like, you should invite someone to the party, even if you don't think they're going to be able to come because yeah. just the fact that you're inviting them to the party means that you're thinking of them. And that's a nice thing to do. Absolutely. They have, let's like your weddings in Hawaii. I could never do that. You didn't invite me? How dare you? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think full disclosure, we were pretty nervous about asking you to do our podcast. We're kind of like, oh, man, is this really like above <laughs> above our station to go and be like, what's up? But then I think, you know, the, the deciding factor had a lot to do with, but is it kind of inconsiderate if somebody shows any interest at all if you don't ask? Because then it's, it's saying from our end, it's like, oh, we're too shy because we don't want to bother this person. Mm-hmm. But it, it can read as I didn't think enough of you to ask which is you know the kind of complicated thing that you have to negotiate but yeah i mean i think social media helps with that enormously i don't know that it gets as much credit as it should for how much it's helped kind of roll cool people into like a big katamari of awesome yeah (laughs) sort of always my goal like you know because i've seen a lot of people that i admire who might not have met otherwise interacting on twitter and i get personally so excited because i always think just think of what might come out of that if these if these people with good ideas meet each other absolutely and if you ever start a social media a new form of social media called katamari of awesome i will be the first subscriber <laughs> that's why well now i've i've said my million dollar idea on my podcast we're gonna yes. have to edit that out oh well <laughs> i will be the paperclip in that katamari ball <laughs> before we engulf volcanoes and whales yeah and that's uh, e- even with like uh, I feel like social media and then also like Magic Tavern, like I, I met, um, I feel like randomly I was at IO, uh, the, which is the theater I perform at regularly. Um, I was at IO and somebody approached me and they're like, are you Adel Rafai? And I'm like, uh-huh. And they're like, uh, my name's Arnie. Uh, it was a guy named Arnie. Um, oh, I, well, I won't say his last name, but it's not Arnie Niekamp. But it's a, it's a guy named Arnie who is a fan of the show. And he's like, I work in Ren Fairs and I do music and I do, you know, and he, he listed off this laundry uh, laundry list of like skill sets. And he's like, if you ever need anything, let me know. And I'm like, holy crap, that was awesome. And then like a year later, when I was making the podcast and thinking of a theme song, I was like, well, Arnie might be good for that. So I was like, right. here's, here's some ideas. Can you make something like that? And he sent it back. And I'm like, perfect. So, you know, so it is a cool thing of just like, even, even within the podcast community being like, I know people who, who want to edit. I know people who want to, you know, do these different things that typically 
in, in my in my smaller, more micro community, people don't want to do that. Everyone wants to be mm-hmm. the talent. If that means mm-hmm. that yeah. talent is a is a rude word when speaking in the collective, but they want to be the the um, the main component, I guess. So, like, if somebody in Chicago wants to make a video series, everybody wants to write, everybody wants to be in it, but not mm-hmm. a lot of people are clamoring to be the cinematographer. A lot of not a lot of people are clamoring to be like the scout locator. So these things that are really um, creative, cool jobs, nobody wants to really do because they're all improvisers who are or actors, if that makes sense. So I yeah. think what's cool about meeting people through Magic Tavern and social media is that there are people who do, who are who are in their own areas of expertise and are are comfortable and confident in that versus wanting mm-hmm. to, to play a role that they normally maybe wouldn't, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like because of either you know, the accessibility or other projects working out, how do you now deal with that sort of fear of, you know, failure or of embarrassment that you, you sort of referred to earlier? Like, has that gone down or is it just sort of in a different sine wave now or? Uh, it hasn't gone down. So even with like, um, Hey, riddle, riddle, like I'm, there's still concerns of like, does anyone care? Like, uh, and, and even, um, I mentioned the, and, and obviously Hey, riddle, riddle is a dumb, dumb play on the phrase hey hey diddle diddle from the fork in the spoon or whatever you know it's a good title (laughs) thank you so much but it's cashy obviously like when i made that i knew like i was like this is so dumb like to to me that there's something enjoyable about being like i wasn't trying to make this a good title to me it's just like this is dumb and silly and that's what the podcast is but recently i said the name to someone someone i met someone for the first time and they're like don't you have a new podcast coming out i'm like yeah and they're like what's the name again and i go hey riddle riddle and they're like ugh are you set on that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's a critic. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, even that, like, and, it, and, and I'm fairly thin skinned and, and overly sensitive mm-hmm. admittedly, but it, it is a thing of like, that stayed with me for like a week where I was like, yeah. what is going on? <laughs> like, I, I don't know that person. Why would they say that to me? So there, there is right. this, like, there are these, these things that burrow into my brain that are just like, is that, that terrible of a name and then i'm like but that's part of the joke is that it's it's just a dumb play on words and i'm taking ownership of that do people not recognize that do they think that i'm trying to make it an amazing you know so it just becomes this weird pong mental pong of like the left and right sides of my brain combating over whether or not i'm you know i've made a good choice and i don't think that'll ever go away because that's just i'm I'm just a you know a a midwestern overly sensitive (laughs) um (laughs) yeah that's definitely the problem the paradox of of being an artist is that being sensitive makes you a good artist but it also makes it really really hard to make art sometimes when people come at you with things like that and i i think that's i i I don't know i give emily a hard time a lot about that (laughs) the idea that the self-doubt is ever going to go away because i think it doesn't you just get better at living with it yeah you you just get better at pushing through it absolutely yeah i always that's why i always refer to as a a sine wave of like there are days where you're on the top of it and you're like oh my gosh like not like in a cocky way just you know just feeling confident about what you're making and that you're making it with people you care about and it feels good that you're putting something out into the world and then there are other days where you're like oh my god why did i ever even go to school for this like why did i even think i could do this you know (laughs) like and and then there are days where you're just in the middle and and i think i think most people strive to have days in the middle or in the top but there's always going to be days where you know your dear friends threaten you with violence because you're too down on yourself (laughs) i heard tell of beating someone with a pool noodle yes that's a normal threat (laughs) 
Because it doesn't hurt it or anything. It's just, you know, it makes a fun sound and it gets the point across. Yeah, because you have to find a way out of that loop. Do, do yeah. you think that you, have you found something that works for you that gets you out of the loop when you start to get negative about, you know, somebody's random stupid comment gets to you? Checking with people whose opinions I actually care about or, or like a support system. Mm. So like when that was said to me, like checking in with I, that night or the next morning, texted uh, my friends JPC and Aaron who are on the show and was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, someone made this snide comment about the title like is do you guys is it that bad like please be honest and they're both like no like it's great like we we really enjoy it and we think it's dumb and silly and that's an indicator of the podcast and we we would never want to change it and i'm like oh phew thank you and that kind of assuages my fears of like i in the moment was like immediately upset or insulted but that idea mm -hmm. of like the people whose opinions i most care about or respect they're on my side they're they have my back or they agree with me we're, we're in sure. sync so ultimately it doesn't matter but yeah, I think the more, uh, I, I think that, like we said, that, that feeling is never going to go away. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, for, to me, it's very much like being underwater where it's like, I can panic and feel like I'm, I can't breathe and like flail my arms about, or I can like swim with the current and like, you know, do a choreographed dance in the water. You know, it's definitely like a mindset you have to walk in a place or slot in every, every day, sure. every morning. Cause that's like every morning I wake up and I feel really great and really happy and, and, fairly confident and then like the minute i have any contact with another human in the world it all just shatters <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that thing of like trying over and over again to just kind of to just convince yourself that day that it's like yeah it's again the people my support system the people i care about the people whose opinion matters to me the people i collaborate with they're all on board and they're all you know they're all on the same page the more you work with other people i think that the easier it is to continue to make projects is what i found like if i ever when i do some projects alone i i think it, it can be there can be a fear of like was that really good or were people just being nice or you know what's what's going on but i think when you have other people involved trusting their opinion and trusting and taking taking their feedback and advice i think really helps um molded into something better yeah it, it's definitely there's always i think especially when you're working on projects by yourself there's always that moment or i, I guess for me there's always that moment where you get like 80 percent of the way into it and you're like oh was this a bad idea <laughs> like have i just wasted all of this time oh, no. but then you you still have to figure out a way to push through that um yeah. because i think i think people don't talk about enough making making shit is really scary yeah. like it's terrifying yeah. but you know Everyone does it anyway, because hell, what else are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> oh. We got to accept ourselves. And there's also a, a, another small sort of facet of, of all this is like, I feel like sometimes I'll have ideas or I'll create something and there's a, there's either a fear or a reality where it's like people think it's too close to something else. It's almost like the deep impact mm -hmm. Armageddon mm -hmm. thing. Like I know when Magic Tavern was, when we were, you know, talking to whoever about whatever, a lot of people were like, oh, it's basically uh, Harmon Quest. And it's like, no. <laughs> and they're like, well, Harmon Quest exists, so that's that. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> well, we I've never seen Harmon Quest. I don't really, I think it's like, D and D that's animated, but it's like we're not trying to be that. Yeah. We aren't that, but but it's it ticks a certain number of boxes to where people are like, ugh, you're just like that. Like, <laughs> no thanks. Sure. These are people who've clearly never seen a show about a doctor, a lawyer, or a cop. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, where I'm like every every uh, familial sitcom is like the same set. You know, like there's so much uh, stealing like an artist, or there's so much borrowing of ideas, or just you know that it mm -hmm. that it seems insane that when it comes to certain genres or certain ideas that it's just there's no room for a second 
contender, I guess. It just seems insane. Or I've had like, um, like I had a, an idea for a play that I was going to, I was going to write and then put my sister in, which was, uh, Wendy from Neverland, Alice from Wonderland. And, um, who was the third one? Wendy, Alice. Oh boy. I'm, I'm blanking. <laughs> Who's the other Alice Wonderland, Wendy from Neverland. And I can't remember the third. Um, but basically the idea was that they were all three roommates and just this mm-hmm. idea that the play is like them visiting with their psychiatrist weekly and talking about <laughs> oh, okay. their experiences sure. and all that. So I had that idea and I was like, this is such a cool idea. And I talked to my sister about it and we were like planning to put it up at this theater ATC and getting that deep into it. We then, a friend of mine at some point, uh, had me over for board games and he had a book on his shelf called Lost Girls by Alan Moore. I was like, oh, I love Alan Moore. I'm like, what's that book about? And he's like, well, it's Alice from Wonderland, Wendy from Neverland, <laughs> and the other person. And he's like, and they all, um, they all like go on adventures together. And I'm like, mother, mm. like, are you kidding me? Um, so there's this thing of like, I've, I've definitely had ideas where it's like, I didn't realize that is already out into the ether. That's already a thing. And it does kind of immediately deflate any drive you had for it yeah i'm not going to remember the source of the quote but i know that with music there's a there's this popular quote about um well there's only so many notes that you know whatever combination you're you know you're working with this specific set of tools that pretty much everybody is working with and it's really the combinations that matter more than but yeah it is it is very scary when you have some idea that you've been really trucking on and then for whatever reason someone else in the universe had basically the same idea yeah. um i've had i've had similar situations so it is very strange and it's hard not to give up on your version of it even though there are pretty similar things that have both been successful yeah i think and i may have picked this up from somewhere maybe someone told it to me i have no idea but it's basically the idea that like Every idea has been done at some point, but it's never been done with your voice. So, yeah. mm-hmm. like that is the thing that should drive you. But it's still, it's still absolutely can become discouraging. Um, in the at least in the illustration world, there's always waves of people where whenever a big cartoon gets co- popular, they'll you yeah. know people will come up and be like, oh, is that is that Adventure Time or tell like a you know an original piece or like oh is that Steven Universe? And it's it's not a it's not meant to be a criticism. It's yeah. just oh this no. obviously reminds them of that. But as the artist trying to create an original vision, you're like, oh, like it, it, it really stings. But yeah, I've had people argue with me, even, even with plush. (laughs) I've had people argue with me at conventions and say, oh, this is, this is adventure time. No, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it definitely is. My kid watches it and I'm like, okay, but I, but I made it. And they're like, are you sure you don't work on adventure time? Yeah, I am pretty sure. (laughs) And it's insane to me. Like, I feel like there's room for everybody to sit at the table, but Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, people don't want to, you know. Oh, I looked up, I just opened up my Google Doc. So the show I was writing was called Ever Wonder, and it okay. was with Alice from Wonderland, mm-hmm. Wendy from Neverland, and Dorothy from Oz. Oh, okay. I oh, think Lost yeah. Girls is somebody else's. In, in lieu of Wendy, I think it's somebody else. But mm. It's it's yeah. putting them all together. And I haven't read Lost Girls yet, so I, I, I don't know if it's even remotely similar. But the fact mm-hmm. that it's involving a somewhat, you know, just the basic idea that they're coming together. Immediately, I was like, this is done, like garbage trash, mm-hmm. throw it out. I even did, um, there was a, what is it, Audible. I had worked with them on a, a podcast pilot, um, and I threw them two ideas, and the one they wanted to follow was, it was called um, uh, As It Happened, was the idea for it, and it was basically me getting my friends together and us improvising 
fully improvising a known moment in history, but mm. making it absurd. And when it was done, I, I thought it was very original and fun and um, funny. But somebody at Audible was like, isn't this too close to drunk history? And I'm like, in that it involves history? <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's, that's like just one different. little thing. Yeah. And I'm like, in drunk history, they're struggling to recall the exact facts to make it correct while mm-hmm. drunk. Whereas in mine, we're purposely shattering anything previously known to mm-hmm. make it as weird and wild as possible so I, I think even just the fact that it dealt with history people were like well drunk history owns that and i'm like drunk history owns anything doing with history like <laughs> do you realize the precedent that's setting <laughs> and i'm like did you ever see mel brooks history of the world like did they steal from him it's like there's right. history cannot be you know owned by one trademarked by one single property like that's insane to to, to start yeah. doing that well and especially because that type of thought process obviously doesn't apply to other things in yeah. you know in media because like Anne said like you know how many procedural cop shows do we have how many oh, yeah. sitcoms exist you know there's definitely space for everyone but it's sometimes the struggle of getting everyone to understand that that is a thing that yeah. can be okay if you put it through the lens of yeah like you like somebody was saying the point of view of the person creating it their life experience or the combination of of people mm-hmm. um, involved mm-hmm. it's going to be wildly different but pe- but people don't want to give it that chance they don't want to water that seed and the other idea that i proposed to them that they did not end up having me create a pilot for was my idea was that it's and can we curse on this or yeah absolutely yeah. it was the basic idea was it was called fucked up children's stories or fucked up bedtime stories and okay. it would be like <laughs> some celebrity um I, I would write uh maybe with another writer some sort of just like fucked up kid story that was really a kid story for adults um and then yeah. somebody would read it as if they're t- reading it to a kid and they passed mm-hmm. on it and then i think eight months later that basic same idea emerged on audible with lewis black and so there's a thing Mm. of like that may have been in the works and they just didn't tell me or so there's also the weird thing of like did someone take my idea (laughs) yeah there's a lot of historical precedent for things like that happening and you know usually the creators never know for sure yeah even the doubt of it you know is is, um and there's a thing there's an admittance of like well my thing would probably be as never as never as good as their thing is if they have these people involved because god bless those people are amazing but there is just that weird itch in the back of your brain of like if i never said that to them would that be a thing right and not that it's such a wholly unique idea that nobody else could think of it but it was just like the timing of it where where there's like that weird doubt have you thought about revisiting shelved ideas just with the change of accessibility or how you see you know your process now because of how you know other other things have panned out or are you kind of like well that idea didn't work out it's gone forever. Um, I definitely have recently been trying to, to gather all my ideas that still might be tenable or still might be, be able to be capitalized on and trying mm-hmm. to let go of any ideas where I feel like it's it's that window has passed. So I have a few things in terms of like, I have an idea for a podcast that's maybe loosely scripted with some improv- improvisation where it's um, a weekly like audio dramedy that's um, like four or five people trapped in the basement of a serial killer. And every week the serial killer makes them put on a talent show. Uh, <laughs> so it's like involving people's skills where it's like, if you want to sing a song, sing a song. If you want to do this, do this. But then every week somebody gets um, taken away and we assume killed. And sure. then somebody gets let go free. So it's this idea of like a rotating cast and, and that to me, I've, I've had a lot of ideas with and I've written a lot about and I just kind of sat on it for a couple of years. And then recently I feel like some uh, audio networks have reached out to, to Magic Tavern and been like, do you have any ideas for like audio dramas or like, you know, like more slightly more scripted things with uh, mm-hmm. with sound production? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I should 
get the ball rolling on that. And I also have, um, for a while I was working on a series with a director of American Theatre Company who sadly passed away a few years ago. Uh, his name was P.J. Paparelli. But him and I were working on doing a series of semi-scripted plays um, on American tragedies um, with some amount of American tragedies tragedies that have had some amount of time. So the first one I did with them w- that him and I collaborated on was this show called Dog Penis Salad. And it was, <laughs> um, it was the uh, Donner Party and the idea and the show, which, which ran for a little bit. It was, it was uh, fairly successful. The show was um, the entire Donner Party in one space. And when you came in the door, I'd give you a name tag with like an actual Donner Party member name on the name tag. And you sat on like these potato sacks and stuff. And the idea of the show is that we're all starving. There's no food. So we're trying to entertain ourselves so that we don't go mad. It was just like a really, <laughs> I thought really enjoyable, cool, funny show. And so based on that, him and I were talking about putting up two or three more. And like one of them I wanted to do was involving the right outside Chicago. Um, like a hundred years ago, there was a train wreck that involved a circus. So it was like this mm-hmm, train yeah. derailed and killed all these like elephants and clowns. and stuff. So we were working on a show of that. So I, I think I might pick that back up. But after he passed, I kind of shelved that and was like, ah, I don't want to, mm-hmm. I'm not really motivated mm-hmm. right now to, to work on that. And then I, another thing I have is a immersive theater piece that I want to call Monster in the Closet, which is basically a, a solo person immersive theater piece where they walk into a giant room just full of hangers and clothes. And there's a monster somewhere in the closet. And there's just like a, a show that happens around the person in the closet with these different monsters. So yeah, I just, and, and I have more to, to them than that. They're, they aren't all that half baked, but those are just some of the ideas I have, um, that I'm, that I'm suddenly excited about recently, like within the last yeah. six months. I was gonna say, you also don't want to show your whole hand. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you have to keep some yeah. of it a mystery. Yeah. And I might, you know, I, I've definitely completed something and been like, nope. <laughs> so that might happen with some of these, but there is just an excitement of like momentum where it's like, once, once we got like 10 episodes of Hey Riddle Riddle recorded, there's this excitement and momentum of like, what else, what else can I do with my time? What else can mm-hmm. I, who else do I want to yeah. work with? You know? So yeah, the future is exciting. Until I get caught with all those dead bodies. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything else to add to yeah, that. I <laughs> that was, I think, a really good, really good ramp off into yeah. out of that. Let's end with me admitting I've killed before. <laughs> yeah, let's end. And this will be played in a court of law at some point in the future. And, well, that you know, that's that some kind of notoriety then. You know, our podcast yeah, can be like yeah. an, an evidence at some point. <laughs> We get to be guests on Serial now. <laughs> yeah. You're the new Asian Malone. Well, thank you again um, yeah, for coming so out for and yeah. talking. Um, do you want to, where can people find you on social media or what all projects and stuff, whatever you want to plug, this is your space, so go for it. Thank you. You can find me on Twitter at Adal Rafai, A-D-A-L-R-I-F-A-I. I'm on the podcast Hello from the Magic Tavern as Chunt. I do a podcast with my sister called Sibling Speculaire, and I have a brand new podcast called Hey Riddle Riddle, which you should check out. And you can come see me at IO Theater in Chicago if you're ever in town, and come see World News Tonight or or Revolver, and check out those shows. Thank you so awesome. much for having me. Yeah, thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast. If you have questions or comments, you can hit us up there or at our email, guiltytreasurescast at gmail.com or select the most elegant gel pen from your collection and write us a note. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you liked the show, tell a friend. Or if you didn't like the show, write it down in a notebook, burn it, and bury the ashes. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy. (laughs) 